So the next three Sundays, I want to take our church's attention into a sermon series that I have thought about. And usually during Christmas, I preach about Advent, which is the coming back of Jesus Christ. He came at the first place, almost 300, 400 promises, prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus as a baby in the manger uh, was promised and prophesied and it was fulfilled. Uh, And if Jesus came the first place, which was fulfilled, then he is going to come back again. That's the Advent season. So every year during Christmas season, I take a church into that Advent journey. But this year, the Lord put something else in my heart, though the message remains the same, Jesus is coming back again for his glorious church. So you and me gather in this room, I pray that every single message, every activity that we get to do, we'll do in remembrance that Christ Jesus is coming back. For whom? For you and me. So that you and me, we will be with our Lord and Savior Jesus. But today onwards, the next two Sundays, the next three Sundays, until Christmas Sunday. Y'all excited for Christmas Sunday? Christmas Eve, we have a beautiful service, Christmas Eve service at our church. A lot of them are already practicing some of the stuff they're going to do. Christmas Eve, I invite you all to come join. We'll have a good food, fellowship, fun, gathering together, candlelight service. Invite your friends and family. We do have uh, some invitation um, that that our team has printed out. So take as many as you want with you. Invite them, your friends, uh, on behalf of our church and get, let them come. Let them come. I pray that this place will be packed out with people who want to hear the saving word of Jesus Christ uh, and also a beautiful time to remind her uh, that he is the light of the world as we together have a candlelight service at our church. Invite everybody, right? So today onwards, I want to take our church into a sermon series titled, uh, titled as Christmas Unwrapped. Christmas unwrapped. If you're like me, like I mentioned, if you love languages, gifts, receiving gifts, I like my gifts to be wrapped up. I like my gifts. And Anisha, after 10 years of our marriage, she knows exactly what she needs to get me during my birthday or special days that we celebrate and how it should look all together. And I'm thankful that my wife has got my attention in all these years. But if you're like me, you love unwrapping. You love receiving Amazon boxes, breaking those boxes, opening those boxes to finally seeing what is in it. Many years ago, some of my friends pulled a prank on me. Uh, they, they know I love receiving gifts, so they brought a huge gift. They, li- they brought a huge gift. They brought a huge gift. And I was so happy to see this huge box, uh, uh, and I'm starting opening it. I open one box, then I see another box in that. That's when I realized this is going to be a big prank on me. And it was a big box, then a small box. I kept opening like maybe eight to ten times to finally see a small box that opened up, and in that was a globe, which was one of my favorite things. If you ever come to my office, home, or church, you will love seeing maps and globes all around. Something that I love. And every time I see one of these in any nook and corner of my house or my office space, I love to just lay hands on them and just pray and remind of God's promises that God is not yet done with the world. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. So today I wanted to share that story here because receiving globes, and please don't send me, I don't have space to keep any more globes. Don't send me anymore. But uh, just saying that I love receiving that gift. It so touched me when my friends gathered together and and, and gave me that. I still kept it on on my desk. Christmas unwrapped. 
Today we have to look into some of the most important things in our life. Christ has been given unto us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. In the Old Testament, you would see that God will come, inhabit on the praises of his children and leave. The presence of God would be carried forward as the words of God. He will come and fill the sanctuary up. He will come and fill homes up and he will leave. But then in the New Testament, we see a God who not comes and leaves, but he decided to stay with his children. That is where we see Emmanuel, God with us. For us, a child has been given, a son is born. Luke chapter 2 verse 12 is where I want to camp for our thought today. Luke chapter 2 verse 12. This says, this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Oh, I would love to ask Mary this question. Mary, was Jesus an annoying baby when she was growing up? Mary, like all the moms, oh, my baby Jesus was cute. She was, he was wonderful. Like all our parents here, she would say, my baby had no issues at all. But I'm sure growing up in different stages of life, baby Jesus also had the terrible twos, the tantrums, the naughtiness. Uh, and, and Mary might have had to, you know, bring back Jesus into order and in discipline. And I'm sure this would have been the story of Mary as well. But nonetheless, it just means something very important to all of us seated in this room that the king of the universe, the savior of the world, chose himself or humbled himself to be a helpless baby in the manger. He did not show up with pomp and galler and he did not show up on horses or chariots to rule the world. He did not show up to show how strong and how powerful he was, yet he chose to be an obedient child born in a manger just like anybody else. So that you and me can have hope even at the beginning of Christ's birth. Looking into his life. That Jesus who was born as helpless, weak, who needed support and help from his parents, his mom, his siblings, people around him. Just to remind us brothers and sisters, Jesus humbled himself. Number one of the season Christmas in the unwrap that you get to see is humility. At the meekest, your humility at the beginning of what Christ has done for each one of us. If we need to be something as Christians, it's that we must be humble. Are you with me? Are you with me? It's we, if we get to unwrap something this Christmas season, it should be that we get to be humble in the presence of God. Or I know and I'm sure everybody seated under my voice, God is going to lift you up and put you on platforms that you never deserved. You never thought you could be in those influences, those positions, those places, those inheritance, those wealth, everything God will bless you with. But never forget to stay humble at the mighty hand of the almighty God. That's what Christ teaches us during this season of Christmas. Hallelujah. Are you with me church? Stay humble. Stay humble through your prayer. Stay humble in your dedication to serve. Stay humble in your faithfulness to serve your spouse, your people within your house, all the people that does not look like you. Stay humble all the time. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped 
in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You know, I just set the platform here just for a foundation here for our scripture, our sermon series. But I want to take our church's attention into something very crucial, very important. Christianity, the faith that you and me, we follow, it's not just a bunch of religious acts of doing. See, religion would ask us to do things. Are you with me? Religion will ask us to do things, D-O, to do it all the time. Do whatever you can do to achieve the presence of the deity that you're worshiping. Offer sacrifices, offer things unto God uh, that you can gain the attention. You don't have to bring nothing but your clean heart in the presence of God. You know, in Christianity, in the faith that you and me believe, it's not the bunch of doings, but we believe in what has been done, D-O-N-E, what has been done on the cross 2,000 years ago. This is what we believe as a church. This is what we believe as a faith. This is what we believe and this is the foundation of our faith that we are not getting to do something. You can't do nothing to gain the grace of Jesus. It has already been done. We believe in the finished work of the cross. We believe in the finished work of the cross. Brothers and sisters gathered in this room. Religion is all about what we can do for God. Christianity is all about what God has done for, for you. Are you believing that Jesus has done something great in your life? The God of the universe. He has chose us and he has done something that the world cannot offer. He has loved us even when I was a sinner. He has embraced me even when I was nobody's. But God's grace has, has found me. But through the birth of Jesus... The second thing that we get to unwrap here, it's the gift of salvation. The gift of salvation. Brothers and sisters, salvation is such a joy that you get to accept the Lord as your personal savior. No, your money cannot buy salvation. Your influence cannot buy salvation. Your righteous doings cannot buy salvation. Salvation is a gift of God to humanity. You didn't ask for it, but God chose to do it. Why? Because he wanted to bring back man in the right position in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God. Man deprived of the rights that God has provided through Garden Eden. And only through the redemption of mankind was possible. Only the mankind could be redeemed by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So the greatest gift of all time during the time of Christmas is the gift of salvation people here in this room when you're saved from something that's what salvation looks like when you're saved from something you know the value of life are you with me i remember even now you know when i see water i'm scared i'm really scared I remember during my college days, I took a bunch of my friends in. Some of you from Bangalore would know we went closer to Mysore. My parents still don't know this. Don't tell it to them. I took a bunch of my friends from college. A lot of our guys, girls, we went together to Mysore. We were in this wooded area and we were in the water. And while we were in the water area, <clears throat> accidentally we slipped and we fell uh, in the water. We drowned. Thankfully, it is the grace of God that he chose me that out of all my naughtiness and all the things that I got to do, <laughs> he saved me and placed me here today. I'm so thankful for the kindness of God. Even now, I'm scared of when I see 
water bodies. I'm scared of that. But listen, God has, now I know what I have been saved from and the value of life just because I was saved from the death. You and me, we are saved from a sinful life. God has saved us. We were bound to die, but he picked us up, put us on the rocks to stay. You know what? The Bible helps us to understand it was a miry clay. What happens when you are in a clay, when you are in a mud like that? What happens? What happens? You can't come out of you, of your own strength. You cannot come out of that by your own strength. No matter how much you try, you can't come out of that at all. You keep drowning, drowning, and drowning to a point when you're no more, when you're no more. But I'm thankful for the external hand of God that has come and rescued me up from my sinful life. I am thankful that the external hand, the force, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us has come and reached out when I was in my sinful life. He came and rescued me. That's the story of salvation. He came and rescued my soul. That's the story of Christmas. He came looking for me. That's the story of Christmas. It's not just the lights. Lights look good. It's not the center. We have a center coming for pictures. It's not the Christmas goodies where you get, but it is Jesus during this season of Christmas. So that's my message to my church during the week one of our Christmas season sermon series that don't keep Jesus out of Christmas. Christmas is possible only if you have Jesus in it. Are you with me, church? He's the greatest gift ever mankind has received. Oh, I pray I'm fired up today. If you know if you're watching me online, I pray that you will understand this message and set a foundation right for your Christian faith. Christmas, Christ be the foundation of it. But as we look forward, I'm taking our church's attention to something where I want to set the foundation right and talk about it next week when we gather together. The most important thing that you understand about God's promises in through the scriptures, God never takes anything second. He always chooses the first. Are you with me? He does not like anything second. Now, if as a husband, you go home and share your second love to your wife, uh, you will soon know uh, the anger and the wrath of your wife. Because you, for you, you, you that's your, your, your priority in life. You share your warmth and your love and affection to the better half that God has put in your life. And you don't do, you don't give the second best, you do the first best. And in the respectiveness of who God is and what he wants as his children to embrace is that whatever and whenever we get the opportunity to celebrate his presence, he deserved the first out of our life. See, when Jesus, when God decided to give his son, he did not say, you know what, Ma, let me have my first son and then I'll give you the second one. He decided to do my only begotten son. I gave it. The only begotten son, I gave it. When Abraham and uh, uh, Sarah, Abraham, Sarah, during the time, from the relationship of Abraham and Sarah, God wanted the first of them. And that's why we contradict to a Muslim ideology and theology. Uh, Thank you so much. Y'all are blessing me today. That's why we contradict to a lot of our Muslim ideology where they talk about Ishmael, but Ishmael was not the firstborn of their legitimate relationship Isaac was Isaac was and that is why God asked Isaac 
to be sacrificed. And God tested the heart of Abraham. See, in through the scriptures, let me, let me bring your attention into Matthew, sorry, um, uh, Ex- Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19 says, The first of the first fruits of your land, and you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. The first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring into the house of your God. The first of the first fruits. It's not the second. It's not the last. It's the first of the first fruits. In through Jewish tradition, they all had to do was bring the first fruits of their agriculture, their harvest, their occupation, whatever they got to do. The first fruits always belong to to God. Are you with me, church? I want you to understand the principle of God's scripture. Christmas season and obedience to his words, it's a principle that we learn in our life. First fruits, giving unto God, was taught by God himself. He gave his only begotten son, the first of God's inheritance into the world for the world's salvation, for our salvation. So in through the scriptures you see from Genesis on the way to uh, Revelation, you would see the glimpses and portions of where God in the Bible has asked his children to bring in the first fruits, to bring in your first fruits unto God. And that's why you see in Matthew, in Exodus chapter 23 verse 19, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into house of the Lord your God. You know what? Can I tell you? Zion Church, this is God's house. This is God. Do you, do you believe this is God's house? Do you believe this is God's house? Amen. This is God's house. Listen to this very carefully. When Exodus chapter 23 verse 19 is replying to a lot of our hearts today, and this is what it says. The first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring. Highlight those words. I had to say that in an Indian accent, bring. <laughs> you shall bring it to God's house. Highlight that word, bring. Listen, you cannot give what does not belong to you. Are you with me? Are you with me? I can't ask you to give your valuable stuff to somebody else because it doesn't belong to me. I can't ask you to do nothing that does not belong to me because you can't give that does not belong to you. When God in the Bible asks his disciples, asks his children, asks the Israelites to bring it, he's not asking, can you please give it? Can you please bring it here? No, it just says, bring it. It's just a commandment of the Bible. It's just a written rule in the Bible. All you got to do is obey the word. Listen, you can either bring it or you can, and this is going to be a really hard word for a lot of our Christians. If you're watching me online too, listen, you can either bring it or you can steal it. Let that thought just sink in. First fruits of the Bible. It's a principle. You can either bring it or you can steal it. God in the Bible has asked his children the first fruits of whatever God has blessed you with. The wealth, the knowledge, anything and everything, not just your finances, your time, whatever God has blessed you with. First day of the week, we are here to serve the Lord. First day, we are here to worship and honor Him. First of the first blessings of God in my life, we are dedicated. It's a, it's a, in other words, it's, it's a principle. We apply in our life. 
When you apply the principles, that's, that's when you, you solve an equation. You, you apply those principles. God in the Bible has asked us to keep this as a foundation. And in through the scriptures, you see traces of it. Bring the first of the first fruits of your land unto me. Through many scriptures. Listen. In Joshua chapter 6, in Joshua chapter 6, they are in a warfare. They are in a warfare. And when you see um, there's a city that is raging warfare against Israelites. But Joshua chapter 6, God calls the tithe consecrated and set apart. Joshua chapter 6, read it in in your free time. Find time and read it, not just in your free time. Find time and read it. Joshua chapter 6, it says that your tithe must be consecrated or set apart. The same thing that he called as the firstborn is the same scriptures or the words that has been used here as the tithe consecrated unto God. There's a warfare that is going on. God said, I will give you victory only if you will bring the first of the tithes offerings, whatever you gather together, bring it to Bring it to me. God said, I'll give you victory, but you got to bring it to me. But in Joshua chapter 7, once Achan took it, he said, Israel has stolen from me and they are cursed. Now, I'm just adding some scriptures here. Uh, Reading through some scriptures. I want you to read through chapter 6 and chapter 7. So Achan, the guy Achan, he stole all of the wealth that God helped them to plunder and took him for, took all of that for himself. What did God say? God said, once Achan took it, he said, Israel has stolen from me and they are, what? Is it on the scriptures? Yes. And they are cursed. Look at the words of God. They stole it from me and they are cursed. Well, the principle was, Obedience to bring back to God, to gather it back to God. Why? Because he helped you to win victory against this nation. But as you continue to read through, you would see God wouldn't receive Cain's offering because he did not bring the first offering. God did not receive Cain's offering because he did not bring the first of the first offering. See, listen, God's preeminence reminds us he can't and he won't be second to anything. He can't and he won't be second to anything. It's consecrated when you bring it to the house of God. When you bring to the house of God. When, not, when we come to God's house, it's a principle. I pray that we will learn through this. Your tithes and offering, when you bring to God's house, I pray it's consecrated. You pray over it. It brings a blessing into your life. Young people listening to me, as you're starting off jobs, families listening. When you bring your tithes and offering, it's a principle of the Bible. God does not want anything second. It's the heart that matters. God blesses a cheerful giver. Be joyful. It's not in the number of zeros you add to your check. No, it's the heart's condition and the posture that matters when you bring it to God's house. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? It's the condition of your heart that matters the most when we bring it to God because He does not want anything second. In other words, in other words, it's a principle. It's a principle. I pray that God will give us this conviction today. In my ministry life, I've seen numerous people being blessed by God in different aspects. Different aspects. I've also seen people who are daily wages, earn daily wages. When they receive the paycheck, they move the first of the first unto God. 
They keep it separate. That's consecrated to God. Are you with me? That's consecrated to God. The first of the first, they keep it aside. They move it aside. Be it online or in cash, or physical cash, whatever. Whatever they have received. Sometimes I've also seen people bring crisp currency notes just got from the RBI to put it at, at, at the offering. Why? Because it's a heart's condition that God sees. Not just in the amount. In the Old Testament, the tithe is talked about. Tithe was one-tenth. So when you take up whatever it is that God has blessed us with, it is the one-tenth of that. When you see the New Testament, it is a generous heart. It's not just limited to a tenth. And God says, I will bless a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. When we get an opportunity to sow, to give, be excited. Because you cannot give what is not yours. Whatever is yours is a gift of heaven. And that's what we do child dedications here for. Why do we do that? God has given us this blessed gift we offer unto God. We do marriage ceremonies and we say, God, thank you for this opportunity we give unto you. We begin this journey from you. Whatever God has blessed us with, even when you drive a new car, you bring it to the pastor, the house, the elders, we pray together. Why? Because it's the heart's posture. It's the heart's condition, small or big, whatever it is. I pray let this be a season in our life that we set the foundation right on the principles of giving during this Christmas. Listen, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruits of the tree, is the Lord's. And what's, what does the word say? It is holy to the Lord. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruits of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Don't put your hands into what belongs to God. Hallelujah. That's why I said, you can either bring it or you can steal it. Hallelujah. It's a principle that we obey. It's a principle that we follow. It's a principle we keep as the foundations of our ministry. In a church, in an organization like this, we bring our tithes and offering. God says, bring it to the house of the Lord because it is holy unto the Lord. It is holy unto, unto the Lord. Listen, number one, those who are sold out to Jesus cannot be bought out by anyone else. Number one, those who are sold out to Jesus cannot be bought out by, when I say anyone, it could be anything that can influence you. You cannot be bought out by anything or anyone. The idea of finances should always be not how much I can make myself wealthy, but always lean back into seeing God, thank you. That out of the treasures of heaven, you have chosen me faithful with the little. And my little begins to grow. Because when I'm faithful in the little things, oh, he makes me to occupy the large. Are you with me, church? It's the principle. Hallelujah. It's the principle. That we follow through in our scriptures, in our theology of who God is, in the hermeneutics of these scriptures unfolded here. I pray that we challenge ourselves during the season of Christmas. 
That we give to God what belongs to Him and not steal from what is His. Number two that I want to mention here is no matter what we lose in life, we're always gaining. Listen to this very carefully. Write it down. No matter what we lose in life, but as a child of God, you're always gaining. Stand for the principles. Stand for the truth. No matter what we lose, you always gain. As a child of God, you never lose nothing. You always are on a winning side with Jesus himself giving you the victory. Hallelujah. In finances, you may incur some losses, but in Christ Jesus, you will always benefit. You will always benefit. But it all comes back from the beginning that we started during the season of Christmas. We understand the principle of giving, which is the first of ours. So I'm just challenging my church here. When your first paycheck comes, when your paycheck comes, the first tenth of that, first tenth of that, or whatever the Lord puts in your heart, let me just not just put the tenth number over there. Let me just challenge my church and ask us to build on a principle. I believe for us just to grow into the next season, us as a church must understand the principles of it. Hallelujah. I know a I'm not going to name the church. I'm not going to name the pastor. You all know as a pastor from Dallas City. And I was part of a seminar two years ago with him. Uh, and a lot of other pastors from the Association of the Related Churches community were with him. The ARC network is a larger network of mega churches all across the U.S. And um, I was with them. And I was, while I was with them, they were teaching some of the core principles and laying it down. And this pastor from a huge church... This year, just this year, just this year, they're spending close to $78 million in buying properties for missions, ministries all across DFW. $70 million all across DFW. The pastor said, Pastor, pastors, I didn't have $7 in our church to do any ministry. I didn't have $7 to do any ministry. But today we were able to raise close to $70 million. Listen, God lacks nothing. You lack them. He lacks nothing. He gives it to people who he can trust it with. Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hallelujah. I've been praying my church and don't please... Brand me as a prosperity preacher or a gospel, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching good news. I'm preaching, preaching, I'm preaching the word of God. God will bless you. Your finances will grow. Your income will grow. God will change situations around the limitations that you see right now. You will see them no more. Probably you're living paycheck to paycheck. You will see them no more. He will bless you supernaturally. This is going to be that season in your life. But never linger away from the principles of God. When God blesses you, brothers and sisters, don't just change your lifestyle. Change your act of giving. Giving unto God. Something that I have seen is that when God gives you something, always be willing to give it away. Let your accounts, your home, 
be a place where it is not stagnant, but there's a constant flow. In your businesses, let there be a constant flow. Pour into the work of God's kingdom. Pour into the work that God's house can do where his light can reach the ends of the world. Find avenues where you can come together to do what God has asked us to do. No matter what we lose, we always gain in Christ Jesus. Four things. Real quick, I'm going to read it out. Four things. Is it okay? Four things. I'm going to read it out real quick for all of us to understand. Why giving is so important. Number one, giving makes me more like God. It's a principle of God. Giving makes me more like God. Can I have the worship team behind me? Giving makes me more like God. John chapter 3, 16. We all know the scriptures. Without reading, without reading from our Bible, can we all recite it? Can we all repeat it? For? Yes. You all said it right. Amen and amen to you. I clap. I applaud for all of you. John chapter 3 verse 16. While we give, we become more like God. We take on the characteristics and the nature of God. For God so loved the world, He gave. Season of Christmas, it's about giving. Understand this very carefully. This season of Christmas is about giving. Not just your finances, your time, your talent, your efforts, your energy. You as a person planted in the house of God, be willing to give. Don't find excuses. Let this season be a season. And I challenge you, take 12 months and you start following this principle. God is going to change this church upside down.